This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? Come on, somebody. Yes. What a great day to be at church. I don't know about you, but I don't really like that spring forward business. I'm messing with my sleep. Man, whoever came up with that, I don't know. Well, I know who came up with it. But anyway, praise God. Well, it's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord, man. We've got uh, spring weather out there. God's doing a great thing. But I tell you what, there's a bunch of good stuff going on right inside of here today because I'm here, you're here, God's here, and we got the Word of God right here with us. Amen. Today is a day of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and uh, Miss Kathy over here will get one to you to help you follow along a little bit. And as we're getting into the message here, I wanted to show you a book that has been a life changer, a game changer. It has been key, major key in my life. And that's The Believer's Authority by Brother Kenneth Hagan. Uh, it's one of my college textbooks when I went to Rama Bible College. And I've read it many times since then. But you need to recognize and realize that you have authority, not because you're so cool, not because you're all that, but because Jesus is all that. And he's told us that we could use his name and have authority over all the works of the enemy. And so that's what you need to realize. And that is in that book right there. Great lesson on that. And uh, so I encourage you to get that. All right. Well, this morning, we're going to get into uh, part four of a series we've been doing. Some of a couple of the lessons have been on Sunday nights, I think, and then some on Sunday mornings. But it's something that God's been speaking to me for a little bit. Uh, it's called Promises, Promises, because... You need to know that the Bible is full of promises to you. God made promises to us. He promised us peace. He promised us joy. He promised to provide for us. He promised to heal us. He promised to save our marriages and our families and our children. God promised all this stuff. But a big issue is so many Christians, they don't realize that all that's in there. Can you imagine if, if you know, you had a, a relative die and, and they had left you all this stuff, property and, and money and all this stuff, and, and given you all these things, but you never even knew about it because you didn't even bother to go read the will. You didn't even go bother to read what their will was. And there's a lot of Christians that are doing without, and it's because they never bothered to open up the book and read what the Father's will is for them. He said, hey, I'm going up to heaven right now. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. But man, he left us a whole bunch of promises and things that he wants for our life. It's just too many people. They don't even know what's in there. There's people struggling with things and dealing with things that God never intended that they should have to struggle with and deal with. Jesus came and won the total victory. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And so the Bible is full of promises. And then there's a lot of people that I hear a lot of religious people say, well, brother, I'm standing on the promises. That's all I can say. Okay, well, what promises are you standing on? Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, that's what you're supposed to say, right? 
Well, no, you need to actually know what some of those promises are to know what you're standing on. And so you need to get in to God's word, get into the, the book, man, his will and understand what he left for us. And so we've been taking a, a few lessons, a few messages here to look at what some of these promises are. And man, once you start seeing what your father wants for your life, once you start seeing what God desires to do in you and for you, you get excited. You don't just sit there like a bump on a log and say, amen, brother, amen. No, you, you get excited, man, to know that God is for you. He's not against you. Amen. That's good news. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Let's open up in prayer today, and we're going to look at two promises from God's Word today. And I believe that if you'll open your heart, God's going to do something in your life. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church a building to come and worship you in, Lord. We have a church family to surround us and be with us, God, and worship you together, Lord. And God, I pray today that as we open the Bible, as we open the word of God, that you will speak to us, God. You'll get your word into our heart, Lord. We've got soft hearts. We are good ground. And Lord, we know that your word, it never returns unto you void, but it always accomplishes everything you send it forth to do. And so, Lord, accomplish what you need to accomplish in our lives today. We love you and we praise your name, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. Well, I got a couple things to say here. And the first thing is this. Number one, the Lord will fight for me. The Lord will fight for me. Now, there's a lot of people, man, they like to fight. Got any fighters in the house today? Don't raise your... No, no, no. But... Listen, I know some people that they they just love to fight. They're out fighting with somebody. They're looking for somebody. I mean, they're bored if they've got nobody to go fight with. And, you know, whether it's on the Internet or whether, you know, some people like family drama and stuff like that. And some people just enjoy a good fight. I'm not one of those people. I don't, I don't like that. But here's the good news is that when the enemy comes to me, the Lord will fight for me. God will fight for me. And uh, that's something that we have got to get the revelation of in our hearts because many times in life, and if you don't know it yet, you'll know someday, or you can go ask somebody, that we come up against battles that we simply can't win on our own. You know, I mean, some guys are like, man, I've always been able to outsmart my way out of this. I've always been strong enough to handle this. I've always been good looking enough that people just do it. Listen, there will come a day. When you will find a battle, you will come up against an enemy that you yourself, in your own strength, in your own intelligence, in your own resources, that you cannot beat. It'll happen. Listen, it is a good thing right now to learn to call on the Lord, to learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Now's the day to do that. You may say, I've always been able to get out of it. I've always had enough money. I've always had enough. Th-. Listen, you need to let the Lord fight your battles and you need to realize that you need Jesus. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 20, you can start making your way there. That might take you a second to get there. We read a story about the people of Judah. Now, in this story, they were in a bad spot because they had three other countries decide, hey, we could go wipe them out. They're not that big. Three other countries teamed up 
and formed an alliance to come against Judah and come and conquer them. And so what it looks like is they're vastly outnumbered. Have you ever been outnumbered? They're surrounded on every side. You ever been surrounded on every side by an enemy? They, they could look to their left. They, they are surrounded. They are outnumbered. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the resources. They don't have what it takes to win this battle on their own. This is not one of those situations where uh, we'll just, you know, use everything we've got. They, they, they didn't have a chance. They were completely surrounded and outnumbered from every angle. And so we're looking here at Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse 13. And, and so the king of this time was Jehoshaphat. I don't know whose mom would name them Jehoshaphat because there are so many angles you could make fun of that name from. But apparently his mother didn't like him, so he gave him a crazy name. And so Jehoshaphat, he's gathering, you know, like, okay, guys, let's, we got to get it together. Let's, let's see what we got here. And so second Chronicles 20 verse 13, it says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah. Isn't it, you know, we get his whole family history there. That's, that's cute. A Levite who was a descendant of Asaph, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Sometimes you need somebody to speak up for a minute. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours. But God's you may be surrounded, you may be outnumbered today, but you need to take a minute and receive the word of the Lord that was spoken right here and say, you know what? I listen, there might be an I don't I don't uh, disagree. I, I, I acknowledge that. Yes, there's an enemy because sticking your head in the sand doesn't make the enemy go away. You know, plugging your ears and saying, la, 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 you're not real, you're not real. I've tried that. That doesn't work. He's still real, right? There's still an army right there. But listen, I don't have to be afraid of that mighty army because this isn't even my battle. It's God's battle. Amen? Now, if I'm relying, if I'm saying, well, this is my battle, this is my battle, because some people, they're sitting there, this is my battle. It's just my battle to fight. This is my battle. This is my battle. This is my... And they're talking all the time about, yeah, this is mine. I, I've got it. And those same people always look worn out. They're always depressed. They're always sad. They're always discouraged because, well, how's it going? Man, you know, I'm just fighting my battle, man. You know, I'm playing, man. Listen, knock that off. If it's your battle, then my God, yes, that's discouraging. But listen, I'm not fighting my battle This is God's battle. I can't win it, but God can. The battle, just like King David said when he was fighting Goliath, Goliath said, man, I am going to kill you. He said, the battle is the Lord's. When Moses was standing at the Red Sea, we'll look at this later, he said, just be calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. God will fight for you if you'll turn it over to him. But as long as you've just claiming this battle and, oh, this is mine, this is my thing to bear, this is my thing, listen, then it's yours. And I, all I can say is good luck. I hope you win. But if it's God's battle, if the battle is the Lord's, Goliath 
is coming down. The Red Sea is parting. I'm walking through that fiery furnace and I won't even smell like smoke when I come through it if I give it over to God. And that's what I'm trying to tell you to do today is let the Lord fight for you. Amen. Verse 16, tomorrow march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Wait a minute. No, I've been taught that I'm a fighter. I'm supposed to fight, 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 fight. No, listen, you were told to fight the good fight of faith. Now, too many of us, we're fighting the weak fight of intellect. We're fighting the losing fight of an emotional battle. Well, I'll just give it everything I've got and try to stay strong, brother. Listen, that's a losing cause. You were called to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And so he says right here, you're, listen, you just got to show up. You don't even need to fight. The battle's God's. You don't even going to need to fight against these guys. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. I could take a promise like that. You mean I just got to show up and God's with me and he's going to do the fighting? Absolutely. God himself will fight for me. I just got to show up to the fight. I just got to be there. I just got to believe. Amen. And so how many times have we been in a spot and we're saying, you know, hey, I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to figure this thing out. And I'm just trying to encourage you this morning that you don't even have to figure it all out. You know, I know some people, I'm not really one of these guys that they got to know exactly how it all works. You know, I'm going to buy this car, but I need to know exactly how does this work? How does that work? Or, you know, this looks tasty. I think I'll eat this. But, you know, what all went into it? I'm one of those. I don't care what into it. If it tastes good, then I'm just going to probably eat it. You know what I mean? I don't care how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? If it tastes good, that's fine. But some people, they got to try to figure out every detail and that's cool if you've got a mechanical mind and stuff like that but you need to watch it in your spiritual life because god's going to do some things that you can't figure out he's going to take you some routes and do some things that you can't fully understand in your limited understanding and if you won't trust him if you won't obey until you understand the full thing then you're going to get yourself in a pickle. You're going to get yourself in a mess. There's going to be some times when you're called to take that step of faith and God says, listen, just show up and you won't even need to fight. Well, how's that going to happen, God? Tell me that, right? I need to know right now. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. But I need to know how you're going to win this thing. I need to know right now. Listen, sometimes he doesn't give you that piece of information. He just gives you enough information to say, just trust me on this. Just show up. You don't have to know how I'm going to do it. Just trust that I'm going to do it. And we need to watch ourselves from trying to, well, I've got to know every detail. I've got to know. Sometimes God doesn't give you every detail. All I know is that he's always right. And if he says, just show up, I'm going to do the fighting. You just show up and take my word for it. That's good enough for me. Why? That's a promise of God. And you need to realize that even if people have made promises and broken them, even if you make promises and break them, even if you don't even fully 
get the magnitude of the word promise. When God makes a promise, God keeps it. He doesn't just throw that word out there flippantly like we do. Yeah, I promise I'll do this next week. I promise. Promise I'll get to that. Promise I'll finish this. I mean, come on, guys. You know, you promise you're going to finish things around the house. Ladies, if we made the promise, you don't have to remind us every six months. We'll get to it, okay? Come on. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, right? So, but we just throw that word promise out there like it. But it's a serious word with God. And if God made a promise, he will keep it. We just got to obey. Amen? And so God says, listen, the battle is mine. You just show up. Let me do the fighting. And I see so many people that have been fighting and wrestling and wearing themselves out until they've got nothing left. They're fighting, but it's not the good fight of faith. They're wrestling, but it's against flesh and blood. They're, they're doing everything that they can within their strength, and they're always coming up short. That's not how your life is supposed to be. That is not how the Christian life is supposed to be. We're supposed to triumph in Christ Jesus. All things are supposed to work together for our good. We are supposed to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. If that's not happening, then something's wrong somewhere, and it is not on God's end. I found out that any time I screw something up, it's never on God's end. It's always been on my end. Because God's perfect, and let's just face it, I'm not. Let's just face it, you're not perfect. If something ain't connecting somewhere, it's not a shortage on God's end. It's on our end every single time. But listen, God made this promise that he's going to fight our battles for us. And so there are two parts to the battle. You know, I I think I put this on your outline there. There's two parts to the battle. There's your part and there's God's part. There's your you do have a part. But there's your part and there's God's part. Your job is to believe and have faith. God's job is to provide the power. Your job is to believe and have faith. God's job is to provide the power. Here's the issue. Way too many of us are trying to do God's part. You weren't called to have the power to move mountains in yourself. You weren't called to, in your own strength, be able to face any giant. Listen, every man of God in the Bible, David knew that he wasn't fighting Goliath on his own. He didn't say, man, I'm going to kill you because I am so strong and so smart. No, 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 it's not not me. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Our job is to have faith and believe that God can do it. His job is to show up with the power. You know what I mean? Listen, when I when I plug something in, you know, I'm going to go charge my phone, go charge something. I provide the plug. Someone else is providing the electricity. I don't care how Edison gets it there. I don't care what they're doing on their end. As long as the power is there, I'm just going to plug in, man, and get what I need to get. I don't care how God does it. I don't care who he uses or what he uses to get the answer to me. All I know is I've got this plug. I'm plugging into the power. God can do the rest from there. 
But so many people like, I wonder if I could create electricity on my own. I could get a hamster running in a wheel. And if he caused enough friction that I could make this happen, that I could run wires over here. I mean, that's crazy. Why are you trying to provide the power? That's crazy. You can't do it. And if you can, you can't do it for very long. But God has the power and he can do it not only for this year, but next he can do it for your entire life. There is never a shortage of power coming out of heaven. There's never a problem that you're going to plug in and ask God for help and you're going to make the lights of heaven flicker because, whoa, 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 whoa. We are just really tapping out up there right now. Let's everybody calm down on the prayers, calm down on the believing. No, there's plenty of power to go around. You provide the plug. God's got the electricity on the other end. Just plug in and believe and let him provide the rest. But way too many of us. And you wouldn't admit it. I know that. So I'm not even asking you to raise your hands. But if you were to be honest right now, you would say, you know what? I have I've been just trying to be strong and trying to figure it out and trying to move things around and situate things and call the right person and do this and do that. If you were to admit it, you've really been guilty of doing God's end of the thing too, trying to do God's end and falling up short. Man, I'm just trying to be strong. Just trying to stay strong. It's so hard. It's so hard. People tell me this literally every day of the week. It is so hard, man. I am just trying to be strong. I'm just trying to hang in there. And listen, the Bible does tell us to be strong, but it says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It doesn't say be strong with everything that you've got. Be strong. No, it says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, because there is a quick end to the limits of my power and my strength. God's strength is limitless. Those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. Amen. They will rise up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and never faint. Why is that? Because God doesn't get tired. He doesn't run out of strength. He doesn't run out of energy, but we do. And so what I'm trying to say right now is this. Quit trying to be God. I would never do that. Yes, you would. And yes, you have. I have. We all have. Quit trying to do God's part of the battle. Just stick to yours. Believe and have faith. God's responsible for the power aspect. God's going to make the rest fall into place. Hold your place where you're at, but I need you to see Mark 5, 36. Hold your place in Second Chronicles, Mark 5, verse 36. Is anybody receiving anything from the Lord this morning? Mark 5 and verse 36. And here's a, I'm not going to read the whole story, but we've got this story of uh, the man named Jairus coming to Jesus. And there, and, and I mean, it looks bad. His daughter has died and all this stuff's going on. But Mark 5 and verse 36. Mark 5 verse 36. This is, I want you to get this, this one phrase right here. All these guys are, 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 are coming to, to, and, and, and telling the bad news and telling everything that's going on. Mark 5 36. But Jesus, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Stand strong with everything you've got right now. No, do not be afraid. 
only believe. Don't be afraid. You just believe. What I need you to do is simply believe and have faith. I'll take care of the rest of this. And that's a word I would say for everybody in here today. Don't be afraid. You're not responsible for the miracle. He is. Don't be afraid. You just believe. And sometimes we're giving Jesus instructions on how to do his job. Well, Lord, you, you listen, here's what's going on right now. Like he didn't already know, right? Let me, let me fill you in, Jesus, on what's going on down here on earth in case you didn't know yet. Uh, this is happening, this is happening, and, and there's a virus that everyone's freaking out about. You can't get anything at Walmart, and this is going on. And, and, and people are just going nuts. And he's like, you think I didn't know all that? I mean, come on, listen. Listen, I know what's going on. Okay, well, since you know Jesus, here's what I, I, need, I need you to do this, this, and this, and I need you to do it this way. Use this guy. Use these people. Have this happen over here. And if you could do this, this, and this, 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 and you tell him exactly how to do his job, then everything will be fine. And Jesus is saying, shut up. Shut up. In the nicest way possible, in the most tender, merciful way possible, stop. Don't be afraid. All I need you to do is believe. Let me do my part. Please just believe. Don't don't say anything else. Just believe. Let me do my end of things. I'm very good at it. Who thinks Jesus is extremely good at working miracles? He's a lot better than I am. He, he does not need my advice on how to part the Red Sea. He does not need my advice on how to make the walls of Jericho fall. I just got to believe and do what he says. But he doesn't need my opinion and my he's got this thing figured out. Don't be afraid. Only believe plus do this plus do. No, he just said, don't be afraid. Only believe. That is all I need you to do right now. Just believe. We've got to get, we need to have that exact same heart and that exact same attitude because guess what? It worked. Now we're going to flip back to second Chronicles. So hopefully you've held your spot there like, like we asked you to do. But if not, we'll give you a minute. But second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to come down to start here in a second to verse 21. But so th- these guys, you know, they're like, okay, well, we're going to show up tomorrow. God g- gave King Jehoshaphat one of the strangest battle plans ever. Uh, he-, he tells them, here- here's what I need you to do. I need you to put the worshipers and the praisers on the front line. Put them out front, and then the army and everybody else can come behind them. Now, no offense to musicians and band people, okay? But if I was leaning on my own understanding, I, I would want the Marines to go before the marching band. I'm just saying I would want, you know, maybe get me some Navy SEALs, you know, some Army Rangers, get some overhead, something. You know, send the, clear the way, and then we'll bring the band in and we'll play music. But, but definitely don't send the marching band in in front of the Marines. That's just, that's... To me, that's a losing battle plan every single time, right? But God says, no, 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 Put the Marines, put the SEALs, put the Rangers, put put all them in the back. We're going to send the praise team up first, okay? They're going to clear the way for everybody else, and then you guys get in there. And I'm like, okay, let's, we're going to, this is a step of faith right here, because that is not how I see uh, the battle going. But anyway, that's exactly what they do. They send the praise to the worshipers, the praisers in first. 
And so Second Chronicles 20, verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Man, you can't go wrong saying that. You can't go wrong walking around saying that all the time. But it says, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. What? The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. Okay, one army down, two to go. And we didn't even have to lift a finger right there. We just had to sing. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Judah hadn't even lifted a sword. They hadn't even, they, they just showed up and the battle was over. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. I mean, that is a blowout victory, and we didn't even have to do anything. All I had to do was show up. But notice this brilliant game plan, this battle plan right here, because, again, it doesn't make any sense. To, well, you just go out there and sing and I'll do the rest. And uh, but, but what happened was when they began to praise as they faced insurmountable odds, God brought confusion to the enemy camp. They turned on each other. They killed each other off. And I'm thinking back on my life, how many times have I been facing a bad situation, but if I'll just stop and I'll praise and I'll worship, it starts sending confusion into the enemy camp. What's that fool singing for? Doesn't he know that I brought cancer to him and he's singing? What's that lady doing up there singing? And it's like she doesn't even care. It's like she doesn't even respect us as her enemy. It's like, you're right. I don't respect you as my enemy. You're right. I'm not afraid of you. I'm praising God. And confusion starts in the enemy. They turn on each other. They kill each other off. All I got to do is go haul all their stuff back to my house and bring the plunder home. And who likes some good plunder? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we love plunder. I don't know what all that is, but, man, we love free stuff. We love free stuff. And so they bring, it. in fact, they've got so much stuff, it takes them three days to haul it all back home because that's how big of a victory they have. Not one soldier of the enemy survived. Not a one survived. That's an incredible blowout, monumental victory And Judah didn't lift one sword, didn't throw one rock, didn't shoot one arrow, didn't do none of that. All they did was show up and do not be afraid, only believe. Man. So what if I began to sing when I was surrounded and I was outnumbered? Well, what if I began to just praise God when I was outnumbered on every side? What if I let God do the fighting and I just did the believing and the trusting? What if? 
I believe we'd start seeing some major victories that we haven't seen for a while if we would start letting God be God and you just be you. You believe and you trust and let God take control and do his thing. I mean, it sounds like a good idea to me. We're talking about promises this morning. And the first one is God will fight for me. The second thing is this, is that God will make a way. Now, there's an old song, God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way, right? But that's not just something we say. God will make a way. He will clear a path. He will tear down a wall. He will part a sea. He will do whatever he's got to do to rescue his children. And I believe, I, I fully believe that even the most sincere ones of us don't realize how much God loves us. You know, we could say, oh, God, I mean, we all have some level of revelation about it but let's just get real you can't even begin to fully comprehend how crazy god is about you how much he loves you and and you know that sounds like such an elementary you know basic thing but the apostle paul said i pray that you would understand how high how wide how deep how far God's love for you is but you'll never be able to fully get it it's beyond human comprehension i don't get it why would he send his one and only son, the, mo- the only perfect person that's ever lived, to come and pay the price for me and die for my sins? And actually, you know, Jesus took what I deserved. Oh, that's some love right there. And I know this much, as much as I wouldn't want to say it, God loves me a lot more than I've loved him. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, you know, I, there's this pastor I like to listen to out of St. Louis, but he talks about, it. he's like, man, I love my kids more than they love me. I, I, you know, I, I do anything for them, but they won't even heat up a hot pocket for me. And I'm like, well, you know what I mean? But think about it. God loves us so much more than even the best of us love him. And, and so he would do anything. To make a way for us. How many of you parents, you would do anything to make a way for your kids. You, I mean, you would, you would, you would shove them out of the way of a bus and take the four of you. You would take the bullet. You would take the sword. You, you would, you would take the fire. You would do anything to rescue your kids. And that is exactly how God feels about us, man. Jesus came down here and did anything, man. Lots of things tried to keep him back from going to that cross because, man, the, the the devil didn't want Jesus to get to the cross because he knew that that was the end, that Jesus was going to pay the price for all of us and free us from Satan's power. And so, so many things, even fear and anxiety at the last minute until Jesus was sweating blood out of his pores. But Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm going through with this. Nothing can stop me. From saving these people, I don't care what it takes. And so Jesus came and paid what the ultimate price. I mean, the most most awful, humiliating, shameful death. He did it for the people sitting in this room in 2020. He didn't let anything stop him, man. That's some determination. That's, I mean, that is some focus. That is some love. And so... When I say God will make a way, I don't know, I don't want you to just say, yeah, God will make a way. That's cute. That's sweet. I'll, I'll put that on my refrigerator when I get home. That's a sweet one. No. Jesus loves us in an incredible, beyond our comprehension way. 
You think you love your kids. Jesus loves you 10 million times more than that. And that's a hard thing to comprehend. In fact, as I said, Paul told us, you can't even understand it. So just accept it. But why, Jesus? Why do you love? You'll never fully know. Just accept his love. And so when I say God will make a way, you better recognize that there is nothing that will hold him back from getting down here and trying to help us out. And so in the book of Exodus, God used Moses. Well, let's flip back there to Exodus chapter 14. God used Moses to free the people of Israel after 400 years of slavery. 400 years. And after a series of 10 plagues, right, Pharaoh finally agrees to let them go. And, and Pharaoh is a man that doesn't, his word's no good, just like so many people. His word means nothing because he keeps saying, all right, fine, you guys can go. Then he changes his mind. He's like, psych, just kidding. No, we want you back. Come on back now. And so he keeps saying, all right, fine, go. Then he chases them back. But finally, we know that after the, the, the plague that caused the death of the firstborn children in Egypt, he's like, fine, I've been broken enough. Just get out of here and go. You guys are a curse to me. And so the people of Israel, uh, I mean, a couple million people, they gather their things and they start heading out. And it looks like they're on the road to freedom. But yet again, Pharaoh says, wait a minute, what am I doing? We'll have to do all of our work ourselves. We'll have to build our own things. No, no, listen, we're not going to do this. And so he sends the army. He rounds them all up. Everything he's got, he sends them out there to recapture the people. And I'm thinking, man, how many times has God set us free? And we're on the road. And then the enemy says, you know what? No, I want them back. I really enjoyed what I was doing in their life. I loved throwing depression on them. I loved making them sick all the time. I loved screwing with their kids. You know what? Forget this. I need them back. So the devil chases them down. And Pharaoh comes roaring at him with everything he's got. But the problem on this side now is this. They've got the Red Sea on this side. They've got the entire Egyptian army on this side. There is nowhere to go. Either side is a losing situation. And so there's only one way. God has got to make a way because there is no other way. And so we're like, well, there's water, then there's the army. I mean, what can you do? What if we, again, quit trying to figure out how God's going to do it? Don't be afraid. Only believe. And so one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible coming up, Exodus 14, starting at verse 13. So they're all they're all spazzing out and having, you know, anxiety attacks. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Here it is. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Oh, man, what a word right there. The Lord himself. He's not even sending, he's not even sending his backups, his lower level guys. God himself is coming to fight for you. Just stay calm. Now, man, I don't, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know a lot about being a first responder or, you know, being a rescuer. 
but so I watch movies instead so I can figure that, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not that heroic. But, but one thing I've noticed is when they're sending somebody in to rescue you, one of the first things they've got to do is get you to calm down. If you're flailing and flopping and swinging and uh, they're like, calm down. Hey, chill. We got this. Just, just calm down. And some of us, God's saying, I'm here to rescue you. Oh my gosh, what am I, no, oh, they're everywhere. And you're flailing and flopping and kicking and screaming and spitting. And he's like, just, just stay calm. I've got this. I'll do the fighting. You just do the believing, okay? Just stay calm. Breathe. Breathe. And so that's what Moses is telling these guys because They've got 400 years of bad memories. They've got 400 years of pain. They've got 400 years of problems on this side and an entire sea on the other side. And God, through Moses, says, the Lord himself's going to do the fight and you just stay calm. See these guys over there? Today is the last day that you will ever see them again. I'm going to completely destroy them. This is it. They've messed with you long enough. The Egyptian army that you see today will never be seen again this is it like oh man what a promise all i've got to do to make this happen is believe i don't have to go out and figure it out i don't have to go out and fight i don't have to go out and get all the money i i just have to believe and so just stay calm is the word of the lord right there so once again review there's two parts to the battle there's your part there's god's part Who provides the power? Who provides the faith and the believing? That's my job. I I just got to believe. Well, I don't know how to do that. Okay. Good point. Good point. If you've been at this church very long, you know what Romans 10.17 says, right? What does Romans 10.17 say, High Desert? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Well, I don't feel like I've got faith. You've got to start hearing the word of God. You've got to get the word of God open. You've got to start reading it. You've got to start being at church to hear it preached. You have got to start hearing the word of God at all costs, no matter what it takes. You've got to hear the word of God. Well, what? That's how you're going to get faith. There's no way, not a chance, that you're going to have the faith it takes for Goliath, for the Red Sea. For the fiery furnace, if you never read your Bible, you never hear the word preached, never come to church, you, there's no way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, this is not rocket science. This is not brain surgery. I've got to have faith and believe. And the way that, that happens is I hear the word of God. That's it. And then God fights the battle. This is not that complicated. And so Exodus 14, verse 21 Here's what happens next. He gets the people calmed down. Verse 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Well, there wasn't any way out. God will make a way. If he's got to build a new road, he'll build it. If he's got to part the waters, he'll part the waters. Whatever he's got to do, nothing will hold him back. From rescuing his people. He'll plow right through that. He will do whatever it takes. All because of his love. And so God clears out a path. Straight through the water. The wind blew all that night. Turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel. Walked through the middle of the sea. On dry 
ground with walls of water on each side. Can you? I mean, I just I love to imagine this. I'm 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 walking through the water and walking through the sea and it's completely dry. It's not even muddy. I mean, I can go dump a bucket of of, of water in my yard and in the winter time it's still muddy and wet the next day. But right now they just went through an entire sea that God just parted. It's dry, solid ground. And as they're looking up, there's walls of water on each side. I don't know how deep the Red Sea is, but let's say it's a couple hundred feet, if nothing else. And hundreds of feet high, there's just walls of water. And they're walking right through. I bet they're seeing fish. They see the little mermaid over here. They see all this stuff going on. And and it's just like an aquarium or something. I don't know what it's like. But they're walking through on dry ground. And God is making a way where there was absolutely no way. But look at this, verse 23. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Now listen, God made the way for me. He didn't make it for my enemy. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total Confusion. Wait a minute. I saw this in the story I read sometime earlier today that I just believed and obeyed and then God brought confusion to my enemies. Second time. All I did was show up to the fight. I believed and trusted God and God sends the entire enemy camp into confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. No, duh, man. I tried to tell you that last week. God's fighting for me against the enemy. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots, charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Whoa. Because God just said, that army right there that's coming against you, today's the last straw. It's not happening anymore. They will never be seen again. And yet again, just like the story read in Second Chronicles 20, there were no survivors on the enemy's side, not a one. Every last one that chased them down perished and didn't make it. That tells me I want to be on God's side. I don't want to be on the other side. I want to be on God's side. And so what are these promises we're talking about? That God will, God will fight for me, no doubt about it. I just got to believe him. And also, what are we saying? God will make a way for us when there is no way. I want you to say this with me this morning. Say, God's way is better than my way. Say it again until you believe it. God's way is better than my way. Let's say it again. God's way is better than my way. Who knows that God is smarter than you are? God is richer than you are. 
God has more strength than you have. God is better looking than you are. God has everything more than what you've got. You just got to believe. Quit trying to make it all happen in your own self. First Peter 5, 7. Let's throw that up there because you need to know this New Testament verse. Well, this all sounds good, but what am I going to do now? How am I going to handle it? First Peter 5, 7. Do this with me. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Well, what do you mean? Give it to God. He knows what to do with it. You don't. So many of us, we're struggling and we're carrying this 500 pound weight on our back and, oh man, just be strong, just be strong. And God's saying, give it to me. Come on. That's, that's nothing. That's easy work. That's child's play. Give that to me. God, what are you doing? You look, you look crazy. Give it to me. And when we say, you know what? Yeah. I wasn't made to handle this burden. I wasn't supposed to carry this anyway. When we give it over to God and let Him do His job, and we quit trying to play the role of God in our life, watch what happens. He'll make a way. He'll fight the battle. And you'll win every single time. I'm ready to pick up some wins. I'm ready to pick up some victories. I'm not losing anymore. I'm ready to always triumph in Christ Jesus. God's will, God's way, God's power, not my own. I'm ready to let him do his job and let God be God. Amen. Can somebody give God some praise this morning? That's not good enough. I said give God some praise this morning for what he wants to do in your life. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 